Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, welcome to the Path of Revelation radio show slash podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets Meet scripture. scripture. Listen, I'm so excited. I have an amazing show today for you guys. But before I hop into the show, I want to say thank you for all of the supporters of Path of Revelation. Thank you for those who support our music, the blogs, and now the podcast slash radio show. I appreciate all the comments and the feedback that you give. And I want to encourage you to con- to keep messaging me and emailing me your prayer requests, your questions and comments about the show or, or, or the content that we put out. Because my goal is to be for us to be a resource to help Christians effectively navigate through pop culture and to and to see souls come into the kingdom. And so that's where my heart is and that's where my passion is. I really want to see Christ exalted in the earth. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify the father in heaven. And so I want to help produce and influence Christians to go out and produce good works that point the world to the father. Amen. So I'm excited. But listen, before I hop into to, to my first train of thought, I want to say something. I want to say that, you know, I'm not better than anybody. You know, I'm born. I was born in sin, just like everybody. And God saw fit while I was in my 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 mess and on, on my on even on my best days, my righteousness is still filthy rags before a holy God and a holy and just God. And so, but yet while I was in my sin, Christ saw fit to give himself and die for my sins. And so I believe God is not a respecter of persons. And it doesn't matter if you're a gay, straight, a murderer, a liar, a thief, fornicator, adulterer. God is not a respecter of persons. If he can save me, he can save you. And the Bible says that whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I want to encourage you guys to hear what I have to say today, because one of the things that I think is uh, the world has a stigma about Christians that Christians are too judgmental. I even hear other Christians say this about Christians. Man, Christians are too judgmental. We're self-righteous on all of these things. And and when most people say that Christians are judgmental, they usually mean it in the sense of them looking down on people, being quick to condemn and point out the sins of others. While I agree that this is wrong for Christians to show a lack of grace and condemn people to a hell that they don't have any authority to put them in, (laughs) I believe The church has actually become too judgmental in the opposite sense. I believe we've gone to from one extreme to the next. I believe it's just as problematic when we are quick and anxious to call people Christians when their actions may suggest otherwise. Galatians 5, 16 through 26 talks about the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh and how when a person is filled with the spirit of God and has the spirit of God, that the spirit will begin to produce results and fruit in their life. The spirit will begin to produce things like love, forgiveness, gentleness, kindness, long suffering and things of that nature in their life. But it also talks about when a person isn't saved or born again, how they are slaves to their flesh. And so they produce the works of the flesh, things like fornication, adultery, witchcraft, drunkenness, intoxication, hatred and jealousy. I have a question for you guys. Why isn't it considered judgmental? when we ignore someone's sinful lifestyle to label them a Christian. Now hear me, hear me good. People will say, stop judging. Then we'll turn around and put someone in heaven with the rest in peace, rest in peace. They don't even have to know the person that it could be a famous entertainer. They just love their works. Oh, rest in peace. The person could have had the most foul lifestyle. They could have, glorified idolatry, Satan and sin and blasphemy with their works. 
but rest in peace. There seems to be a double standard, in my opinion. We often co-sign celebrities and influential people's faith when they profess to be Christians, even when their works are sinful, because it, I believe it validates us not fully divorcing ourselves from the ways of the world. We covet their money. We covet their, their cars and their houses and their clothes and their jewelry. We covet their platforms and stages. We covet their awards. As we applaud people who praise God one minute, then glorify sin the next, I believe it can be reflective of our walk and our desire to please men above God. Even though Galatians chapter 1 and 10 says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. In other words, if I have a desire to please people and please men above God, I can't call myself a servant of Christ. It is important to understand that we all judge. But not all judgment is the same. I believe there are two types of judgment the Bible speaks of. The first judgment belongs to God alone, where he determines where we will spend eternity, heaven or hell, which is based on whether or not we truly put our trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. We know John 3:16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not what shall not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 19 also goes into how when men, how men reject the light because their, their deeds are evil and how when we, and when, and how, when we don't put our faith in Christ, we're condemned already. The second type of judgment isn't, exclu isn't exclusive to God, but is where we have the ability to determine right and wrong. We all are judgmental, but we must make sure our judgments don't condemn others, recognizing we have done nothing to deserve God's forgiveness. Romans 3.23 talks about how we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if we look at 1 Corinthians, and I, I want to deal with the church right now. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 13, Paul encourages the church to not disassociate themselves with sinners for the purpose of reaching sinners, being a light and sharing the gospel. Matthew 5 and 16 talks about letting our light so shine before men. I quoted it earlier. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify the father in heaven. Romans 116, uh, Romans 116 talks about how we are not to be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. And so we're called to reach the world. But right after that, and I'm still talking about 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9 through 13. But right after he talks about not disassociating ourselves with sinners, he encourages the church to judge those in unrepentant sin who are within the church, who claim to be brother or sister in Christ by not keeping company with them. He even goes as far as telling true believers not to eat with them. Now that sounds harsh, but, but why does he do this? He does this for the sake of eliminating confusion to make a distinction between what it looks like to truly be or not be a Christian for the purpose of not misleading others. It's important. It's so important that we not be a, that we reprove each other and correct each other in love. This is why Jesus said, I would rather you be hot or cold in Revelations chapter three, verse 15 through six. I believe he said that because one of the greatest evils in this world isn't that which comes in the name of evil, but that which leads us to believe that we can serve God and the devil at the same time. Like we don't... Like we don't look at ISIS or at least the majority of us don't look at ISIS and be like, hmm, they may be good people. Like, no, we don't have to guess that they're evil. 
They're pure evil. We see them killing and hearing about them killing innocent men, women, and children all the time. And we're like, man, that's pure evil. But I believe one of the greatest deceptions in this time is an evil that comes in the name of good. That the Bible talks about how the how the devil comes as an angel of light at times. He presents himself as something good, but really his intentions are evil. And so I believe that people who try to play both sides of the fence, they they create a false narrative and paint a picture that, hey, you can serve God and, and belong to Christ and still live any type of way you want to live. It's almost like repentance is a bad thing and not a blessing. Um, but I believe it is easy for us as born again believers, if we're not careful, to become a stumbling block and actually aid in producing false converts when our lives fail to make a distinction between righteousness and unrighteousness. When sinners are affirmed as believers by professing Christians, while they still live any type of way they want to live and cling to their sin, I believe it can lead them to not seeking true salvation, which is only found in Christ because of faulty validation. And, and I want to encourage you to do this. And, and, I, and, and this is not a joke to me, but if you have been guilty of this as a professing Christian and, and you have no conviction, I would encourage you to examine yourself to see if you are truly saved. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and 5, it, it, it encourages us to examine ourselves. It says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye, know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? Like, I think it's a red flag when we as Christians, if, if we don't, if we as professing Christians never prayerfully and submitted to God's word examine our lifestyles and how we represent ourselves before people. Like I know for me, there's been times when I've done things and I'm like, man, that did not represent Christ. That actually represented Gabe before Christ or that or that could have actually caused somebody to stumble or that di that didn't set the right example. Like if you're not doing that as a believer, it's chances are that you're either not truly saved or, or you're not growing in your walk. Lastly, if we as believers are truly seeking to submit to the scriptures, love others and make disciples, we won't be so quick to write others off the moment they sin. Like it, all, all I have to do is think about my mess and how, and how Christ loved me in the midst of my mess and even the things that I may make a mistake and do even now. We will know the difference between sin and unrepentant sin as we purpose to walk out our salvation with carefulness and reverence. So I want to encourage us to confess our faults one to another and pray for each other that we be healed with our hearts set on unity in the spirit. But listen, I'm not done yet. We're going to take a quick musical break. And, and when I come back, I'm going to be talking about gay pride and Christianity. Is homosexuality a sin? How should we as Christians be engaging culture as it relates to homosexuality? But listen, the featured song for this episode is our song, Make Me, which is from our latest album, Everything Changes, which is available on all digital outlets. Let's get into it. I wrestle with 
with so much temptation, my flesh is against you. Uh, chief sinner, I'm the winner, I surrender. Boss Grace, he didn't have me for dinner. Born dead, Adam's family, we're all members. It's in our nature to sin, we're all repeat offenders. Deserve his wrath, but God is love, despite my habits. I was guilty, he took my place, I was Barabbas. So I yield to his will, whether broke or lavish. He can mold me, whether it's in a pit or a palace. So we sing of his praise, all because he grabbed us. And the power of Jesus really changed the savage. He covers a multitude of sin, despite the damage. He managed to give me a new heart and make my life as canvas. I still sometimes I fight my will or try to take his brush. Though he's painting a masterpiece and needs to help from us. A portrait of his grace turning my doubt to trust. Despite all the temptation and rough of lust. He's perfecting us, you are the potter. We are the clay. We are the clay. How say we love you when we do not reach your word and we do not pray. So give me your hunger that goes beyond the surface. Yes, stops our flesh. Lord, won't you search us? Yielded on your palace where we've been purchased. You shape and mold you should have merged. So I will sing the void your mercy. Displayed on the cross, so how you love us. What you began in me isn't worthless. Complete that good work in me is your purpose. Hands in the air. One time. Hands in the air. We plan. We plan. Flesh be killed, we plan, we plan, we plan, we plan. This fire inside, so we're down to right, we plan. back we back so how should we as christians be responding to homosexuality is homosexuality a sin you know the these are comments that come up a lot of times in most interviews with with christian artists when they're on mainstream media or mainstream platforms i'm seeing it more and more we we've seen these questions these type of questions come up with artists such as lecrae kurt franklin and more recently lauren daigle uh for you guys who may not be familiar with lauren daigle she she has a huge following she's a christian contemporary singer she was just recently on jimmy fallon back in November she was also on the Ellen DeGeneres show and you know she's just blowing up Billboard writes about her latest album Look Up Child and and they say it debuts with the biggest sales week for a Christian music album in nearly nine years and so recently uh, Lauren went on the Dominic Nati show and he asked her do you think homosexuality is a sin and so what I want to do is I want to play her response on the show. And then I want to come back and and give some biblical perspective uh, concerning her response, as well as how we as Christians should be engaging culture and responding to questions like is homosexuality a sin? And so here's the, the interview, uh, the snippet from. The interview with Lauren Daigle responding to the question. I don't own the rights to this interview. I, have tough, I hate to do this to you, Lauren, but I have. I, I usually ask some tough questions. So is that all right if I ask you just a couple ones that are are tougher, and you can let me know if you want to answer them? Okay, cool. Okay. Well, since we're talking about Ellen, do you feel that homosexuality is a sin? You know, I, I can't honestly answer on that. In the sense of, I have too many people that I love that they are homosexual. Um, I don't know. I actually had a conversation with someone last night about it, and I was like, I can't say one way or the other. I I'm not God. So when yeah. people when people ask questions like that, that's what my go-to is. Like, I just say read the Bible and find out for yourself. Because and when you find out, let me know. Because I'm learning too. Wow, you're a pro already. Next question is. Okay, so that was the snippet of Lauren Daigle being asked, "Does she think homosexuality is a sin, man?" And it really breaks my heart because her response was completely wrong, and I don't want to come off as 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 picking at Lauren because. This is just the recent 
case of a Christian artist going on a mainstream platform and responding and giving a response where it comes off as if they're dodging the question. You know, she's not the first, but it hurts my heart because I look at these as opportunities for us as Christians to give people the truth and point them to Christ. And I do think it's a big deal when we when we when we don't answer the questions or if we don't know the answer to simple questions like is homosexuality a sin? Like should you even have a microphone in your hand if you can't answer basic questions like that and give a biblical response? Because here's the here's the here's the reality. With great influence and great platforms come great responsibility. And so when we're asked the question like, is homosexuality a sin? And we give a response that leads people to believe that is not a sin. What we're doing is we're becoming a stumbling block. Jesus said, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for a milestone to be tied around your neck and for it to be cast into the sea. First Corinthians eight talks about weakening our brother and sister's conscience and how when we when we weaken our brother and sister's conscience, how we sin against Christ. And so causing people to stumble is something that God takes seriously. But it's funny how when we get in these situations, we always we're quick to defend the artists and disregard the people who are being influenced by the information they're putting out. And so here's the reality. Here's the truth. A lot of times we don't want to say anything negative about homosexuality because they're in our pulpits. They lead our choirs. They write a lot of the songs we sing. They're our friends, they're our family members, they're our sister, they're our brother, they're our cousin. And so we don't want to offend people. Another reason I believe we don't like to call homosexuality a sin is because there are so many advocates for the LGBT agenda and gay people in positions of authority. From the workplace, to government, to music industry, to Hollywood, to media, and the church, and we fear being blackballed. We fear losing opportunities. We, we fear losing recognition before the world. As Christian artists and Christian creatives, we always say our platform is for God. We say what well, we do, I do this for the glory of God. We say it's about souls, but when the opportunity to speak truth about sin in light of the gospel, it's a shame that we fold a lot of times. And I'm often led to believe it's because we're ashamed. We're ashamed. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. And some of us might be like, well, she... She just didn't answer that question correctly. That doesn't mean she's ashamed or, or just because somebody, well, here's the reality is, here's the reality. We can't separate God from his word. Like we can't embrace one part of God's word while denying the other or being ashamed of the other. I can't celebrate I can't sing about God's love, but be silent about God's view of sin. The gospel is great news in response to really, really bad news. And the bad news is that we're born sinners. The bad news is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is that for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus died for our sins. And all we have to do is repent of our sins and put our trust in him, turn away from our sins. But what I really think it comes down to 
is we care more about what people think than God. We value people's opinions of us more than what God thinks about us. We're more fearful and have more reverence for, for our platforms and we're more fearful of losing opportunities and, 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 and losing recognition and future concerts and things of that nature than we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Lauren said in her interview that she doesn't want to say whether or not homosexuality is a sin or I can't say whether or not it is a sin because I have so many people that I love who are homosexuals. Well, what I say to that is if you truly love people, if you truly love people, You'll tell them the truth about sin because you don't want them to end up in hell. If I truly love someone and I see that they're heading, they're driving and they're heading towards a cliff. I'm not going to sit back and say, hey, I don't want to I don't want to tell them or yell, yell at them because I don't want them to be offended. No, I'm going to yell and say, hey, hit the brakes, hit the brakes. You're headed for a cliff. If you don't hit the brakes, you're going to die. We don't keep we don't keep silent when we love people. The Bible says cry out loud and spare not. If you truly love people, you will tell them the truth about sin. And that should be an opportunity that leads you to sharing the gospel, the good news with them. But before people can get treated by the master, the great physician, before people can get treated by the great physician, they need to know that they're sick. People don't go to the doctor because they're well. They go to the doctor because they know they're sick. They know they need medical attention. People don't come to Christ I'm talking about the Christ of the scriptures. People don't come to Christ if they don't know that they're sinful. And so if you truly love people, you'll tell them the truth about sin. You won't dodge the question. You won't avoid it. But because we care about people's opinions of us and we care about our reputations before the world more than we care about our reputation before God. We're found misdiagnosing people. We're telling people who are sick that they don't have a sickness. When we look at a doctor, a good doctor does not tell a person who has cancer that they don't have cancer because he doesn't want to mess up their day. A good doctor does not diagnose people based off of their feelings. He diagnoses them based off of their actual condition. A good doctor properly diagnoses, uh, diagnoses the person's condition so they can actually get the solution that they need for their problem. When a doctor is uh, misdiagnosing uh, patients or, or not properly doing their job, or we call it foul play or malpractice, and, and because we care about more about our reputations than the souls of the people that we have influence over, we're misdiagnosing people. We're telling cancer patients that they're not sick. We're telling people with leukemia that it's just a common cold. And so we're making people feel like they don't need a savior. And that they're good the way they are. And so if we love people, we will tell them the truth. We as Christians, and, and, I'm, and I'm passionate about this because so often I see so many Christians blowing or, or sweeping things like this under the rug. And I don't want you guys, again, I don't want you guys to mistake me for condemning a Lauren Daigle. I'm not condemning her. It's just 
godly correction is really what it is. It's not a big deal. I'm, we don't need to stone her. We don't need to stone anybody. Nobody deserves to be stoned. Nobody deserves to be condemned. Thank God for God's grace and mercy, man. I, I feel like I'm chief sinner, like Paul said. I'm very aware. I'm very aware of my imperfections. I'm very aware of my need for for the grace of God. But there comes a responsibility with having platforms. This is why the Bible says not many of us should be teachers. The moment you have a spotlight, people are following you. They're listening to what you say. And so we can't as Christians. The gospel that we we give is the solution to a sin sick world. And so we have to be upfront and tell the truth that people are sick with sin. I don't care how good of a person you may be or we are all born sinners. But you know what I think happens with most of us? Um, I think and, and I think it's a, a, a form of self-righteousness and we don't even realize it. In, in a part of the interview that I didn't play, Lauren talks about when she met Ellen DeGeneres and how nice of a person she was and how beautiful she was and how she just took the time to encourage uh, her in her career and her endeavors and to do what makes her happy. And, and most of us know Ellen DeGeneres is openly gay uh, and she's a strong advocate for the LGBT community. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't love her and pray for her. Who would I think I am? But what I think happens a lot of times with some of us is, and I think it's a form of self-righteousness, is we meet people who are not Christians, whether they be our family, our friends, or just people that we encounter in the workplace or in school or wherever we're at. And we're like, These pe this person is a really nice person. This person, this person is so nice. They're, they're nicer than a lot of Christians I know. <laughs> they're loving, they're kind, they're, they're warm and welcoming, but they just aren't Christians. And, and I, what, what I believe we begin to do within our, with our, within our minds and our hearts is we begin to reason with ourselves and say, man, I can't see God sending this person to hell just because they're not a Christian. Look how nice of a person they are. They're a good person. And so we begin to doubt the Bible and we begin to reason with ourselves on why God would never send them to hell a person like this. And it's self-righteousness because now their salvation isn't dependent on Christ's work on the cross. It's dependent on their work and their good deeds and the impression that they leave on us. There's a story in the Bible with where Jesus encounters a rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19 and the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus in Matthew 19 excited and he 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 begins to say talk about how he has kept all of the commandments since his youth and all of the good things that he's done and and in his confidence in arrogance, he asks Jesus, what lack I yet? Because he thought he was doing enough. He thought based off of his works, he was meeting God's standard. And so in his, in his confidence and pride, he says, what lack I yet? And Jesus has a way of dealing with our idols and the parts that we hold on to the, the things that we value more than him. And Jesus told him, he says, take all that you have, all your wealth, all your possessions, sell it and give it to the poor. 
And the rich young ruler instantly, his, his attitude changed. He went from being excited to meet Jesus, excited to be around Jesus, to now, the Bible says, he went away exceedingly sorrowful. In other words, his possessions, his, 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 his wealth and his possessions were more important than Christ. Jesus says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have great treasure in heaven. You will be with me in eternity. He challenged his idol. And what was interesting before all of that, the rich young ruler, when he first approaches Jesus, he says, good master. He calls Jesus good master. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's none righteous but God. And Jesus wasn't Jesus didn't say that because he wasn't righteous or he wasn't perfect. He said that to challenge the rich young ruler's definition of good. Because the rich young ruler thought that his deeds were good enough. He thought all the good things that he had did were good enough to put him in right standing with God. He, did, he didn't think he had to give up anything. And this is the problem. A lot of times we as Christians, for the sake of fitting in, we want to paint a Jesus that isn't requiring repentance. We want to we wanna paint a Jesus to a dying world that does not require sacrifice. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself. And so Jesus challenges the rich young ruler's definition of a good person. Oh, he's a good person. I know, I know they're not a Christian, but they're a good person. And Jesus says, there's none righteous, none righteous, but God. And in other words, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in need of a savior. I want to submit something to you guys. Jesus didn't die for good people. He didn't die because we're good people. He died because we're sinners, we're evil. And so there's a reality. We are not good people that happen to know how to do evil. We are evil people that have the ability to do good. And so we have to preach the gospel. Hell is full of people that we would consider good people. All because they did not think their sin stunk in the presence of God. They did not trust in God's righteousness. They wanted to trust in their own. And so what we do a lot of times as Christians we meet people and they make such a good impression on us. They, they make us feel good about ourselves. And so we say, man, this is a good person. Maybe, maybe homosexuality isn't a sin. It's, it's not that bad. It's not bad with, with people, with a man, if, if they really love each other. And so we begin to compromise the word of God and reason with ourselves. We have to be willing to call sin, sin. And if we're not, what's the point? What's the point of singing songs about a savior, a God who you're ashamed to tell the truth about? We sing so passionately, we perform so well. And my concern is that it's just that it's a performance. It's not real. What actors do is they, they, they step in the role of characters that aren't, that aren't their true self. They put on the personality of something else that they're not. And a good actor, the best actors are the ones who are believable. They make you believe that they are that character. That's why like me and my, my wife knows a lot of the actors and actresses names. And when I see them and hear them in interviews, and, and, 
they sound to the best actors they sound totally different and look different from the character that I saw saw them play in the movie and I'm like man that's the same person wow he did a great job acting and I think a lot of times when we stand up and we sing these songs about God my concern is that some of us are acting some of us are performing because we don't know we don't know the God that we're singing about and so we have to tell the truth and so how how do I how do I think we should approach talking about homosexuality as Christians I think we should deal with it how we just how we deal with any other sin we tell the truth but in love and compassion letting people know that there's hope in Christ letting people know that he is the answer and that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, homosexuality is a sin. The Bible has many scriptures and and talk and many things that talks about it. But one of the things that I do, one of the scriptures that I do want to focus on as it relates to is homosexuality a sin is Romans chapter 1 where Paul is writing to to Rome. And he's not even necessarily writing just to the church but he's actually talking about non-christians when he's writing this and, and 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 when he's pinning these things romans chapter one and i'm just going to start at verse 20 and it talks about the heart of man and, and how humanity is fallen and how humanity rejects god Verse 20 says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So in other words, he's saying that every huma human being knows that God exists because of creation, because creation screams that there is a creator. And so there's really no, there's, according to scripture, there's no true atheist. There's really not no such thing as an atheist. People just try to suppress God in their conscience. They try to suppress God with unrighteousness, as, as the scriptures say. But he says in verse 21, because that when they knew God or recognized God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In other words, man rejected the true and living God and began to create idols that looked like create um, idols that resembled created things. So man began to make idols that look like birds and beasts. Man began to create idols that look like himself. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the create the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26 for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections and here's where it starts to talk about sexual relations for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Here it is. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves 
that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And so, yes, homosexuality is a sin. It's one of many sins. But just because homosexuality is a sin and we're supposed to call sin sin doesn't mean that we have to be unloving in doing so either. Like, I don't have to be a jerk pointing out your sin just because your sin looks different than mine's. We're called to love our neighbors. We're called to preach in love and boldness. And so, and I have to say this because I I don't want to just address one extreme without addressing the other extreme. And so just like I see Christians who condemn other Christians for preaching the Bible or, or, or calling sin out and calling people to repentance, I also want to deal with those who address sin out of a spirit that isn't rooted in love some of us can be so nasty some of us can be so self-righteous in how we how we deal with these things and I like to think that or at least try my best when I approach these different situations or different topics I want to be bold but I want to make sure that I'm coming in a spirit of meekness and and, and a love that's rooted in Jesus because, man, really, none of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve God's mercy. And I know it's some of you who may be struggling with different sins. It may be even some of you who are who are wrestling, who really want to please God and really love God. And you may be struggling with homosexual temptation. Or you may be struggling with pornography and. And it may be it may be causing you to doubt your 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 salvation or doubt that God loves you. And I'm here to tell you that there is deliverance for you. I believe God is a deliverer. I believe in the power of God. I believe the I believe whom the son sets free is truly free indeed. Man, before the Lord saved me, man, I used to cuss like a sailor. Man, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to I wanted to I wanted people to look at me and celebrate me. I wanted attention. I wasn't thinking about Christ. And the Lord saved me in my mess. And even after he saved he saved me while I was active in ministry, I wrestled with pornography. You know, I shared in our song the night while I was doing ministry, I'm wrestling with pornography and and, and that addiction. And the Lord delivered me out of that. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray for anybody who, who, who may be struggling in their faith, maybe wrestling with homosexuality. There is deliverance for you. So let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, forgive us for every sin, for all unrighteousness. You said in your word, yet while we were in sin, you died for us. And, and that he that knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so, Lord, we believe that you died on the cross for our sins and that and we believe that if we call on your name, we shall be saved. And God, we believe that you are a deliverer. God, I pray, God, that you would deliver and, and call the backslider back to yourself. If, if you've been in a backslidden state. I pray that you receive God's grace and God's forgiveness and love for you in the name of Jesus. God, touch everybody under the sound of my voice. God, let them know that you are real. God, heal wounded hearts. God, call people back to yourself that may have turned away from you in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you, God, for your healing and restore and your restore your restoration. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Amen. I'm excited. Listen, I want you guys to send in your prayer requests. I want you to send in your questions, anything that that's on your heart. You may have heard something in this show that you, you want to ask me a question about. You can even inbox me on Facebook, um, but email me at path of revelation now at gmail.com. Thanks for rocking with us. And again, this is the Path of Revelation podcast slash radio show. And this is where the culture meets scripture. Take